Welcome to We Sing the Bass Electric, a podcast for bass lovers and music enthusiasts of all genres. Join us as we revisit some of the most iconic recordings from different bassists, past and present, discussing behind-the-scene insight and stories that made up some of the most revered albums of our time, all from a bass player's point of view. Now here's your host, international recording artist, Mr. Christian Day Masonis, a.k.a. Big New York. If you were a teenager in the mid-70s and a fan of rock music, you may be familiar with the band Stars. They wrote some catchy songs with infectious hooks, and their recordings offered a slick and well-polished sound with the low-end duties led by the late, great Peter Sweevil. Today, I talk with insane George Deanna about carrying on the bass legacy and how the band, with three of the original members, is still keeping active. So, George, tell us, how did you get the opportunity to play bass for Stars? It's a little bit of a story, so I hope you're ready for it. It's okay, a story. Yeah, I'm good. But here it goes. Um, of course, I was a Stars fan back in the 70s. Massive Stars fan. Loved them. Would see them at the Palladium in New York, Capitol mm-hmm. Theater in Jersey, um, amongst other places. Uh, then something called the Internet came along. And <laughs> right around when the Internet came along, um, I was at Mike Potts Backyard Barbecue, which is a barbecue amongst rock and rollers that we do in Long Island. The guys from The Baby Show Up and Danger Danger, who I'm about to tell you about, uh, the hair metal band from the 80s. Yes, um, but um, uh, Bruno, the bass player, said to me, oh, man, I'm going to be playing with stars down in Texas, I think. I said, stars? I said, that's freaking awesome. You go get them. So we were probably stoned at that point, drunk, and um, we forgot about it. But some months later, he said stars was in Texas. So, you know, I figured, you know, the song Texas and whatever else are probably from there. So I looked them up on this new thing called the Internet. <laughs> I found Star Central, which is the main website for stars. And I emailed the webmaster and told him that, you know, I love the band and this and that and way to go. And I'm a successful rock musician. And I was even before stars. I consider myself successful, at least. And um, he um, he wrote me back. It was Richie Rano. And Richie Rano said to me, I don't live in Texas. I live in Fairlawn, New Jersey. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. That's right by me. I live further west and north in a place called Butler, New Jersey. So I immediately called my buddies who love stars as kids, my friend John Astolfi and my friend Joel Fricks. And we went to go see Richie Rano perform at the Orange Lantern. And he, um, I brought all my stars albums with me. He graciously signed them. And he sold me a T-shirt, which I loved. I still have that one to this day. And he said to me, man, Bruno tells me, Bruno from Danger Danger tells me, that you are a killer performer, basically, bass player, singer. I said, well, yeah, because I learned from you guys. So he said, you want to do a song? I said, you know, freaking A, I do. So I ended up, I think it was a Led Zeppelin song, maybe Hold a Lot of Love. And Richie said to me, well, he said, holy cow, man. You know, you're really a, a really good singer, performer. Do you want to play with me in the All-Stars sometimes? I said, of course I would. I, mean, I was living in Jersey, not in the band at the time. Eventually, Joe X Newby joined the All-Stars, and he's a member now. And the three of us play in New Jersey. And it came time, there came a time where Stars was supposed to go out with Angel a while ago, Chris. 
back in like 2003. And I think the version of Angel maybe had Frank Domino and, and Barry Brant in it. But it was all the original members of Stars, except mm-hmm. for Peter Sweevil, who had passed away, unfortunately, in the 90s. Right. So, so I thought he was going to say to me, you know, my first impression was, man, I'm going to be backstage at the freaking shows. You want to be the bass player of Stars? And I was kind of floored. It was an honor, certainly, since I loved the band as a kid. Um, I idolized them. I made believe I was a stars guy a lot, yeah. you know, uh, but I ended up getting the job. And I said, how do you know Brendan's going to love me? How do you know Doobie's going to love me? He said to me, dude, just listen, you are perfect for the job. We were supposed to go over five, five key stars out of the 17 we had planned for that tour. Um, and that was the tour you talked about earlier with me about Jax. Remember that? Right. Yes. Yeah. So, so um, instead of playing the five songs, we played 17 songs in a row without stopping. And I sang them all. And Doobie was like, holy cow, man, man, this is going to be freaking awesome. And it was awesome. And I fit right in. I fit like a glove. I knew what I had to do. So that was my beginning with stars. Wow. It had to be cool singing Michael Lee Smith's lyrics at rehearsal. But I got to tell you something about Michael Lee Smith. As much of a rock star as he is, that's how much of a sweetheart he is away from the stage. The nicest guy ever. Okay. Wow. 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 Um, I've met him. I had a great conversation with him backstage when um, they were sandwiched between Judas Priest and Oreo Speedwagon at the Palladium. Were were you at that gig? Yes, I was there. Okay. Yeah. I, I, uh, accidentally found myself backstage what was funny about it was right before they went on i talked to michael and i said hey michael you're gonna do piss party tonight and (laughs) and and he he just thought it was so cool that somebody knew about piss party and you know like i said earlier if you were like reading cream magazine and circus magazine and all all those rock publications you were really aware of the band stars so I have another question. I have a couple of questions for you. Um, was bass your first instrument? No, no, it was not. Trombone was my first instrument in uh, in middle school. Okay, I sucked at it. I sucked. I was the third trombone in school. So right. then I decided I wanted to become a rock guy. And at the age of fourteen, my father I, I played um, I played Smoke on the Water for him. So he bought me a guitar bought me a guitar again later and I had my first guitar was an SG and I was in um, a band called Toys at the time which was about to become Vixen which was a big before the girl Vixen we were very very big tri-state area circuit so um, in Vixen we couldn't find a bass player and I was playing guitar and I I gotta be honest with you Christian you're probably the same way being a bass player I didn't hear the guitar well but I would hear Paul McCartney's bass lines, like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. what did you think if I sang out of tune? You know, the bass, like, do, 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 do. I heard all that. You heard and those lines, yeah. Of the Getty Lee's bass guitar. Yeah. So I, at the age of 17, at the age of 19, we were about to hit the club circuit in a big way. And um, I, uh, I just picked up the bass guitar. Uh, because we couldn't find a bass player. My friend Steve Savitas lent me his bass, his Fender Precision. Um, I said, what am I going to do with my Marshall stack and my SG? And my friend Joel bought it. And uh, I became a bass player. And from then on, I was a bass player. 
there you go. So if you were part of Vixen, Vixen was an East Coast band before the girl band Vixen, right? right. And yep. uh, that means this was around what, the 80s, early 80s? 79, 86, Vixen okay. was around. And okay. the Vixen females were around right at the end, at the tail end there. And okay. uh, I remember their lawyers getting in touch with us saying, we want to buy the name, we want to buy the name. And our manager basically told them, no, you know, and the band voted no. They wanted to offer us maybe 10 grand or something for the name. We said no. We ended up breaking up some months later. And Vixen took off the female band Vixen. God bless them. You know, yeah. but um, we still go out as Vixen and do reunion shows. Okay. All right. You didn't you didn't get a chance to play Lemoore's in Brooklyn, oh, did you? Lemoore East and, and Brooklyn Lemoore's, both of them. That's incredible. So we share some rock and roll history together because I was part of that scene too in the eighties uh, with my band Twice Shy. So that, yeah, so oh, that's pretty cool. cool. That's very cool. All right. So one thing, uh, you know, you can hear your playing on the 2006 Stars Live extended version and Stars Live, they only come out at night. Yeah. Um, uh, the extended version has some great bass work from you and Great bass tone. Um, do you remember what rig did you use? What bass did you play through? And how did you record that uh, concert? I remember extended versions. Hmm. It was the big thing for us because we were about to record, I think, the first real Stars live album since Live at Louisville, which hmm. was before my time with Pete Sweevil. Right. Right. So, so we were set up to record this in Cleveland at the Beachland Ballroom. And... Brendan Harkin, his flight got canceled somehow. He didn't make it in. So we were going to play with just one guitar player, Richie. So if you listen, it's, I think, though, just the one guitar player on that record. We kept it very honest, you know? And now my bass tone, you ask about that. I think I was playing my Kramer. We were talking about Kramers before, where I was playing my Kramer bass guitar uh, through an amp, but he. Here's a secret. Now, now the gigs sounded fantastic. The Stars fans were great. Um, but Bruno Ravel from Danger Danger, I think he mastered that or remixed it and did what he had to do to make it sound right. And he may, he may have assigned a sound to that bass guitar. You know what I'm saying? I'm not sure how much he did, but it ended up sounding really tear, tear butt, kick butt. It's a great, great tone. Um, and you come out looking like a winner on that album. Uh, really, really great work. Uh, so I've got to reach out to Bruno eventually and, and try to find out what he did. He might have done something in the studio, added a subharmonic um, uh, maximizer or whatever to, to your, yeah. your sound. But it, it, it was fantastic. I love, I love the album. Um, yeah, so do so I. It's a great, great album and a great display of some really really strong rock bass riffs rock bass chops that you have george so thank, thank you very much christian i try <laughs> to cut uh pete sweevil uh and orville davis the best i can because again i am not only in stars but i'm a major stars fan so i my heart is with those people in the audience i am there and it's what i do you know so i cop that vibe it's my responsibility to kick ass. And I try to. I just want Stars fans to know I'm really appreciative of everything, and which is why I give it 100% to kick butt. 
Well, I did see you live. I saw you play live. So I, I'm a witness. Uh, you are definitely in it, man. You were in the moment. Uh, you are jumping around on stage. You're feeling the music and you uplift the audience, which is part of the whole rock and roll uh, responsibility, so to speak. You know, we, we have that job as an entertainer to do that. Uh, so, you know what? Um, we can't revisit the music of the, this iconic band without mentioning two of the band's previous bass players, Orville Davis, um, who was featured on Coliseum Rock, and the very interesting original bassist, Pete Sweevil. Now, did you know them? Besides, obviously, you were, you're, you're fans of their work, but did you know them personally? I had never met Peter, um, unfortunately. The band speaks of him in a very endearing way. They, they loved the guy. Sweevil was a beloved guy. He, the background vocals, you hear the ama amazing background vocals, very much are Peter Sweevils, in addition to that killer thump Travis Bean bass guitar on those albums, okay? So he was a very, very talented individual, and I'm lucky uh, to, to be able to play in his spot. Orville, another gentleman. I met him during what's something called Stars Fest, where all the surviving members of stars got together by the way i'm going to show you something quick while i tell the story it's a one-of-a-kind piece of art with all four albums and i got them signed by um all the guys in stars um who played on the records and orville played on coliseum rock yeah. orville is a sweetheart and a gentleman and he's got this southern drawl about him and he's just the coolest dude and he kicked ass on coliseum rock so i'm very very lucky to have met Orville, to know enough about Pete Sweevil, to do my part in stars properly. Well, you know what, man, that, you really warmed my heart because one of the reasons why I wanted to do this with you is first of all, besides being a fan of stars, I will never forget my impression of the bass tone on a particular song on Violation. Uh, sing it, shout it, you know, um, I, I'll just, I was blown away. And, and I and I did ask you to ask Richie Rano, because I was really interested to find the backstory about the production value, um, what happened with the production on that album with Jack Douglas. I reached out to Jack. I didn't hear back from him, but mm -hmm. I am glad that you told me and you could tell the listening audience that Pete recorded all those first three albums on one bass and one bass only. And that was the aluminum neck Travis Bean. Is that correct? I believe that. Yes, that is correct. Okay. Um, a lot. The tone he owes to the prodding of Jack Douglas, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And um, also uh, to the engineer, Jay Messina. I believe he was the engineer on the first two records. Forgive me if that's not correct, but I think that's correct. And I met both of those gentlemen recently at, um, at a Jack Douglas uh, uh, party. And Messina was brilliant. Just a brilliant behind, those, behind those, those buttons and knobs and stuff. And he, I'm sure, was equal in getting that sound that you hear from Sweeble. I actually met Pete at a pizzeria on 8th Street, about a couple doors up from Electric Ladyland. This was, I think, 1970, 
seven, I believe, 77 or maybe 78. No, I think it was 77. Okay. And um, we had pizza together, man. I mean, you know, I asked him if I could, you know, hang out with him. I was with my high school sweetheart. I had my Gibson fretless ripper bass with me. And I, awesome. and, I awesome. <laughs> and I showed it to him. He was very cool. I have a good memory with him. And I also met Orville Davis. I met Orville Davis many times, actually. Mm -hmm. And um, I plan on interviewing him next and uh, try to find out a little bit more information about his role in um, in the history of stars, bass mm -hmm. players, you know? Yep. Uh, you know, do you happen to have any favorite star songs that you prefer to play live? Well, my favorite star song, I, I really love them all. Um, I love Good Ale We Seek. Um, and I'm, I'm, I've always, I, look, Stars fans, I want you guys to know, I've been trying to get the band to perform that. That is such a great song. And that's um, a very uh, cool song. I like that oh, song. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. The lyrics are genius. They're yeah. genius. Um, Hail Michael Lee, you know? Um, yeah. It, I love is all night long, but we don't play that live. Uh, but I love it. It's from the Violation album. Yes, it's right after Subway Terror, I believe. Yes, yeah. I think one of my favorite bass lines besides uh, "Sing It, Shout It," which you guys don't do live, and yeah. um, and I'll go, I'm going to get to that in a minute. Yeah. Uh, but I I I, I was always a fan of Subway Terror. Always loved Subway Terror, and. Um, and I, you know what? Later, I got turned on to "Take Me," which is a great live song. Oh my God! Oh, the ending, man! When you just come back out and bring it on home at the end. Oh my God! What a yep. great, great song! Yeah. So, um, what is your opinion on um, "Is That the Street Light or the Moon"? What is your opinion on that song? I, I love it. Um, we we. We open with it. Um, the guys have have it on um, on track um, where without the vocals right. in it, and uh, it's you know when we hear the beginning of that song, we know get your get your butt on stage, you yeah. know. Yeah. And uh, what's my opinion of it? I think it's fantastic. I never loved it as a kid, but I love it now. I love it. Um, it's different, but Michael Lee croons it, and I think it's just wonderful. And another mm -hmm. thing that I didn't know until much later was that there were two different versions of Cool One. The one that's on violation and then the one that you hear a lot on some of the live records, like um, I think in Louisville, Live in Louisville has a different version of Cool it's One, more, I believe. It's more Friday night in my works. Or the album, which is I, I prefer the album version myself. Um, yes. I tried getting that part. I tried playing. Uh, I tried getting that one played when we do do cool one. Uh -huh. But they're all like telling me, George, just shut up, man. Do the fast version. You know, I get outvoted by the three kings. You know, Richie, Doobie, and Michael Lee. Well, I guess you can't do anything about that, can you? No, you can't. I mean, nah, man. You know. Um... So I want to bring one thing up with you, and then we'll yeah. tr try to uh, try to do a couple of bullet points. Um, one thing that I've I've noticed lately is that Stars is under a 
uh, 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 what do you call it, is under the microscope right now, so to speak, because of this book that came out uh, last year called They, um, they Just Seem a Little Weird. They Just yeah. Seem a Little Weird. It's a lyric from uh, Surrender by Cheap Trick. Right. You know, how Kiss, Cheap Trick, Aerosmith and Stars remade Rock and Roll by Doug, uh, Doug Broad. Broad. Doug yep. Broad. And uh, I just received this in the mail about three days ago, and mm -hmm. I couldn't put it down. I mean, I, I'm like, you know, in the bathroom late at night, bringing it with me, reading it, um, <laughs> you know. And, and of course, I, I did skim in the beginning because I wanted to, you know, talk to you a little bit about the book. I mean, you're mentioned in the book. There's a photograph of you in the book. And also there's some um, there's a photo credit by my friend Richard Galbraith, who will provide some really cool photographs for this podcast of, of Pete, by the way, in, in all of his glory back in the uh, early days. Um, what's your opinion on this book? What do you think about it? I, I love it. Uh, to be honest with you, I've only gotten through half of it because I was never much of a reader, believe it or not. Um, but so far, so good. I think it's wonderful. Um, the other bands seem to pick on stars a little bit. I think it's Fair enough, but I th also think it's a little bit unfair. Uh, you know, um, I've I've spoken to people from Guns N' Roses and Bon Jovi and and uh, and uh, Ricky Rocket from Poison, and these guys all love stars, love stars, and, and enough's enough is another one. Love yeah. star, danger, danger. Yeah, the list goes on and on. Stars was a big influence to musicians who made a difference later, right. no doubt. And yes. I think they get proper props in the book. Well, you know, doing the research on, on not only this podcast and you and, and some stars music that I missed, mm -hmm. um, I found that controversial song that I asked Michael Lee Smith about, Piss Party, which is oh. actually... It's available on Napster um, on the, um, I found it on Live in Louisville, which was, I think, recorded in 78, I believe. And I think Pete is playing on that album. And, uh, yeah. and it's, it, but the name is not Piss Party on the credits. It's called Route 66. Did you, you didn't know about that, did you? I did not know that. I will <laughs> tell you this. When Michael Lee told me about what Piss Party is yeah. and, and, uh, God rest his soul, Henry Prentice, our original merch man. Uh, he sold merch early on in the Stars reunion era. Um, he would always ask us to play Piss Party. When I heard the lyrics, I got to tell you, I want to gag. I want to gag into my Stella right now. It's, it's disgusting. You know, Michael w was hip to the whole potty humor thing, you know, the potty humor back then. I mean, definitely the, the tongue-in-cheek and sexual innuendos of some of his lyrics. They're so great, the lyrics. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. they're clever, man. Really, really clever. So, yeah. you know what? I reached out to um, one of the members of Piper back in, back in the day, Richie Fontana. Yeah. Who play, yeah, who played with Pete. So let me tell you a little bit about what, what Richie said about Pete. Okay. When I worked with him in Scott Brothers, I found Pete to be not only an extremely solid and melodic bass player, but... He was also a very talented songwriter with a great singing voice. Pete yeah. did the lead vocals on a number of the songs we had on those two albums. At the time of Scat Brothers, our record label, Casablanca Records, booked us 
on a number of TV shows of the day, Dinah Shore, Merv Griffin, Dance Fever. <laughs> and on the Merv Griffin show, we did two songs, Dancing for the Man, sung by Richard Martin Ross, with Peter on bass. And the other song was Midnight Companion, where Peter played acoustic guitar and sang the lead vocals, as he did on the record. And of course, you probably know that prior to Stars, Pete was in the band Looking Glass, who had the hit Brandy in 1972, Mm -hmm. where Pete plays bass and backing vocals. Mm -hmm. That's about all I can say from my perspective, other than he was a great guy, very funny too. We had many laughs in those days, and I'm glad to got to work with him and be his friend. Uh, were you aware of the Scott Brothers and their music and, and what Pete's involvement was at that time with them? I was aware of the Scott Brothers, but I, I'd never picked up the record. Um, I'm not sure what year was that like. Was that like 80 or 79? I think I think 79. Vixen had taken off at that point, the band we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have much time to listen to actual albums. I might have listened to the Scat Brothers if I was still not a full time musician at that point, but I became a full time musician. And we were doing a lot of new wave music, I remember, and writing in a new wave vein. Um, so I was not, the, the long answer, the short answer is I was not into the Scat Brothers. I didn't listen to them. Well, I, you know what? I didn't know about them. I knew of them, but um, mm -hmm. I, I had to do my research on that because I do remember that I was actually a little bit turned off by the album cover. Really? Like, yeah. like the music, the music on it, you mean? The music and the album cover and the image, it was very, it just, it was dark and it wasn't relatable for me. I was into the new wave on the radio at, at the time, um, still loving stars, still loving Angel, but I guess keeping up with the times, if you will, ashamedly so, but I, I was not into the Scat Brothers. I may have also been turned off by the album cover. I might've yeah. been. Back then, yeah. you know, Chris, you know yourself, you saw the Angel Hell of a Band album. You I love it. With all, all over each other's back, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, rock and roll or stars. Um, you see the logo and then you open up that album and you have that cool, that cool inner sleeve. Come mm -hmm. on, man. That's what I was into, you know? Oh, absolutely, man. Hits. But, hits, yeah. You know? Come on. And, you know, I, I went to school at Orton Design in Manhattan on 57th Street. So mm -hmm. um, I would be the leader. You know, I would initiate my my uh, my school buddies to cut class and we would go to Rocksteady on Madison Avenue. No. Park Avenue. And we would go in there all the time and they would always give us press kits. So I had I, I mean, I had a dozen kiss. Are you serious? And, yeah, what a great I idea. Had, I had kiss angel and stars. I all sold them. I, I should have done that. I went to I went to Stuyvesant in Manhattan. I oh, should have really? done the same thing. Why you should have known who I was at the point we could have hooked up. We would have got a rock set together. Would have raided that joint. Are you kidding? Man, I know. I was, I really was <laughs> praying that I would run into the band, uh, you know, run into Gene or or Paul or or Peter yeah. or Ace, but it never happened. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but I will have to say, as far as the Scott Brothers uh, thing is concerned. Walk the Night is such an interesting song. I mean, it's like, it's an original sound. It's like, it's disco, but it's rock, it's punk. It's And the bass groove is cool as anything. I mean, that's why I give a lot of love to Pete. 
because Pete yeah. was an innovator. <laughs> you know, he was an innovator, man. He was a yes. he was creative, a creative guy. Yep, yep. I got to see you at Catfish Cantina a couple well, of years time, ago. This time you're gonna say hello. You know, okay. I'll bring yes. you backstage, hang out with the guys. Right. Okay. Um, well, I saw you a couple of years ago in Baltimore there, and mm -hmm. I have to tell you, it was a great show. <laughs> I, I, I loved I loved the set list. I loved the band. Um, and of course, it was great seeing Angel again. I've seen mm -hmm. Angel many times in my life. The um, sweethearts tell, they are. Yeah, they, I love them. So tell me, what, what was the backstory about that show? Because you said that um, oh, man. you had an experience. First of all, the, the club was wonderful to us. You know, but, you know, our uh, our agent, you know, the sweet lady, she's she's booking us and she's doing the best she can. And she's booking us at hotels. And she's also looking at prices of hotels. So I, I think she found this some rooms in Baltimore. Um, and I got to tell you, oh, my God, there were like drug dealers outside of our doors which was great, man, you want some crack? You want this, you want some blow? We got in the room, rooms were disgusting. Um, oh God, I remember the cigarette burns in the blankets. We made a wise decision in that the angel guys called us. Uh, we called the manager, we said, we gotta get out of here. So what we did was we got into our vehicles and we hightailed it back to New York in the middle of the night. And that's the story. So it was, um, this is not a reflection of Baltimore, but it's a reflection of that Baltimore hotel we chose. Perhaps wow. next time we'll choose more wisely. Yes, right? yes. <laughs> so my last question to you, George, and by the way, I've, I've, I've had a wonderful time with you. Um, Thank you for having me. Anytime, Christian. Thank <laughs> Thanks. you. Thank you. Um, what, what are the plans, man? I mean, I know COVID has stalled all of us. Mm -hmm. um, but what, what's, what's uh, on the horizon for stars? Are you guys planning to write new music and record a whole new stars album? I, I am not going to say no, but we had the chance to do that about two or three years ago. Um, we, we got uh, money up front for it, but we weren't in a position, I think at that time to put it together. You know, you kind of, you kind of fear Christian. It, it's not, it's not just the music that stars is going to put out. It's the head of our fans at this age. This is no longer 1977, you know? So I think the band at this point is still into bathing our fans in the past. Watching stars is almost like visiting your old baseball cards or your old football cards or basketball cards. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a window to the past that you don't want to let go of. Now, do we want to create windows of the future? We're not sure if our place is to do that, you know? Although I will tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing and for the world to know. Michael E. Smith and Alex Kane, um, the guitar player uh, in our band, um, came out with two songs that were freaking killer. And I mean killer star stuff. You know, didn't make it onto any record yet, but if stuff would be like that, I would be in favor of a new Stars record. But I'm, I'm not going to say no to you, but again, it's going to be hard for us to excite fans the way we excited them back in the 70s. You know, we, we, we may want to leave that alone. You know, Chris, who knows? Now, you know, the reason I bring this up to you, you have a very valid point, is look at what Angel did. I mean, can you imagine 
what Angel really, really a great example of somebody who's been able to rekindle the flames, you know, and yep, create yep. and create something brand new. And I, uh, I love the new lineup in Angel. I yes. got to tell you, I love them as much as I love the old Angel. And that's the honest to God truth. And I'm going to bring up another band to you. The Babies without John Waite. They're fantastic. I've never seen a Babies band this good. But no John Waite. You know, it, it, that's in the fans' heads. Lose it. Let the music live. The Babies five albums don't deserve to die. Angel can recreate or rekindle something that they can, that maybe is a continuation of sinful and on, by all means do it. And if stars can do something that grows on Coliseum rock that goes forward, I'm all for that too. But yes, I agree with you, Christian, you know, thumbs up to angel thumbs up to the babies and thumbs up to stars too. Okay. Well, I, I really enjoyed this, man, with you. I mean, like you were saying earlier, it's a time capsule, right? Yep. It's a little yep. bit nostalgic. And I do yep. hope that that bass players out there, if they if they listen to this show, um, and especially if they don't know the band and they're rock bass players, I mean, you know, I, I'll be doing spotlights on funk and R&B and jazz players eventually. But when I started mm -hmm. this podcast, I I really wanted to focus on some of my heroes, you know? And um, you are a real gentleman, pal. Yeah, you're doing you're doing a fantastic job. And thank you. I know you were a fan of stars, but thank you for also researching it. You know, hey, Christian, I want to thank you very, very much. Uh, we sing the bass electric. You guys have been wonderful. And thank you for keeping the bass guitar alive. Thank you for noticing the bass guitar. Thank you for for cherishing it and stuff. And it's been a pisser talking to you. You are a gentleman. <laughs> Christian Demisonis. I'm going to put hey. the phone, give you a hand. Hold on a second. <laughs> there you go. You got it okay. I, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for a wonderful time this evening. And I'm looking forward, man, to seeing you on the road when, you know, this COVID thing gets uh, under control. That's it. COVID allowing. We do have dates in July. We have dates in October. We're not announcing them yet. But if COVID allows it, we're there. Are you going to play in my, anywhere near my area? I hope so, because I want to hang out with you. <laughs> we okay. are definitely going to, we're going to, we're going to toast, man. Yes, we're going we to hang, we're, we're going to hang out with the boys. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> All right, George. Well, God bless you. Have a wonderful evening. And thanks again. Christian, you're a gentleman. Thank you so much for having me, man. All right. Take care, man. Bye-bye. Take Bye -bye. care, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this educational music program, please subscribe to we Sing the Bass Electric on your favorite podcast platform. We would love your feedback. Email us at WeSingTheBassElectric at gmail.com. For bonus material and a chance to win merchandise, such as autographed CDs and more, subscribe to our YouTube channel and join our mailing list at WeSingTheBassElectric.com. As always, thank you for your support. And please buy music from these spotlighted artists. It makes a difference.